Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wrongful Convictions and Cold Cases. I've got an incredible case to talk about today. I've been waiting to tell this story about Alteria Woods, a 21-year-old woman shot and killed in Vero Beach, Florida in 2017. It's really, really just a tragic story. And I've got with me today, I'm so excited, Mary Sherris, who is a civil rights attorney based in Orlando, Florida. She's been working on the case, representing the family. Mary, it is great to see you and have you on the podcast. Andy, I'm so happy to be here today, and I'm I'm so happy that to have this opportunity to talk about this very important matter. And uh, we've been working on this now for years, and uh, it's time to tell the story. So let's let's dive into it. It's 2017. Alteria Woods is 21 years old. She is at her boyfriend's house, who is Andrew Coffey the Fourth. His dad is Andrew Coffey the Third. What happens? They're all at the house. Set the stage in terms of the time of the day, what's going on, and why the police show up. Tell us, set the stage for all that. Okay, so we are in Vero Beach, Florida, in Indian River County. It's March 19th, 2017. It's 5.30 a.m. And, and this is a small, modest house in the county. Uh, there's six people in the house on this day. And uh, we've got um, Alteria Woods and her boyfriend, who is Andrew Coffey IV, and we'll call him AJ. That's his nickname. His father is also in the house. And uh, his father is there with a friend. And the home is owned by the father's mother, the grandmother, who's there with her friend. And it's a Sunday morning, and the two ladies were planning to go to church in the morning until it all began. This involves a search warrant, right? So so why are the police showing up at 5.30 in the morning to this house? Like, why are they there? Who are they there to, to arrest? What's the context? The police believe that Andrew Coffey III is selling drugs out of his bedroom. And they have enough evidence to obtain a search warrant to uh, detain Andrew Coffey III and to search the house. So they bring a SWAT team to do this? So they bring a SWAT team to do this. It just seems like when I hear SWAT team, I mean, it's not like they're going there to arrest El Chapo. I mean, you got a guy selling drugs out of the house. My first reaction was, do they really need to like bring out a SWAT team this seems like such a, a minor like issue, you know, in terms of uh, what's going on here, the risk of a whole SWAT team. So the SWAT team shows up, it's 5.30 in the morning, it's dark out. What happens when the SWAT team gets there? So it's, you're absolutely right, it's dark out. There's about 15 or 20 SWAT members that show up at this house. They basically sneak up around it so that they're undetected. And um, they position themselves all around the house. When the front door opens and the target of the search warrant, um, Andrew Coffey III, opens the front door. So he opens the front door. They've got their guy. He's the guy they want. He's the guy they want to get. They want to arrest. He opens the front door. And what happens? So they see him at the front door. They grab him, throw him to the ground, cuff him. They've got their guy. They've got the target. Um, 
but everybody is positioned around the house and now they want to secure the house and they are armed with various weapons including what they call flashbangs so what i don't understand is when they knock on the door andrew coffee the third who's the dad answers the door he's placed under arrest why isn't it like we are done here have a nice day. Let's hit the road. We've got our guy. Let's take him back to the police station and process him. Why doesn't it just end right then? Like, what happens? Well, what happens is they they want to search the house, um, but the house has people inside, and uh, they need to, to secure those people to make it safe for them to go inside. But the way they do it is um, it's very dangerous, actually. They detonate a flashbang in Andrew Coffey III's bedroom. They, they just toss a flashbang into his bedroom. And they detonate a flashbang in his son's bedroom, AJ's room. They do this from outside the house, meaning they've got the dad at the door, right? He's been kind of like detained or handcuffed or whatever. How do these flashbangs get into the house? Like, how do they deploy them? That's a great question. So what a flashbang is, is it's like a hand grenade. And when they detonate it, it makes a really loud noise and it momentarily blinds, deafens, stuns whoever is near it. So they toss one into the house. There's in a bedroom, actually. And uh, there's a person sitting on the bed who's, you know, completely blinded, deafened and stunned by the flashbang. But the second room they did it a different way. They, they actually broke the window. They, they knocked down a television set and they put a long pole into the room and they, uh, they detonate the flashbang that way. Okay. This, this to me already is so insane. I mean, I go back to where we started. There's a guy that they think is selling drugs out of the house. They want to get a search warrant, search the house. Okay. This is not, it's not like there's 10 hostages in the house. We got to go in there. He's holding people hostage. Like this, this to me is such a small time event. I don't understand why they're throwing these flashbangs in the house. Do they even know who's in the house at this point? They know there's people in the house. There's cars parked outside, but uh, they have some suspicions of who might be in there. It just seems, I mean, the flashbang issue just seems so over the top to me. It just seems like that is a recipe for disaster, which, which it winds up being. I don't know. I just don't understand why they don't go in the house. You know, like who's here, police, you know, secure the premises. But now that they do the flashbangs, they, you said they threw one in the house, one in this bedroom window, the bedroom window of who? It was the bedroom window of AJ and his girlfriend, Alteria Woods. So when they throw that flashbang in there, AJ sleeping with his girlfriend, Alteria Woods, they don't know what the heck's going on, right? So then what happens next? So it's 5.30 in the morning, and you're right. They're, they are asleep, and they're startled. What happens next is, is AJ finds a gun, and he shoots out the window to scare off what he believes is an intruder. I mean, think of how scary that'd be. You're sleeping at 5.30 in the morning, it's dark, and a flashbang comes into your bedroom? That would scare the living daylights out of anybody. Like, this is a bang, like a loud noise... And a flash? I mean, it would be terrifying. How could you blame this guy for being scared and trying to defend himself in that moment? 
Exactly. It was a reaction to what seemed like a dire situation at the time. But what happens next is, is really shocking. So AJ fires a shot out, like out the bedroom window to try to scare whoever's out there. Correct. Because the window just was shattered, right? So, and there's a long pole coming through the window, which is a little startling coming out of sleep. So he, he fires a couple of shots out of the bedroom window. I, oh my God. I, I just, I am flabbergasted with this because they're breaking a window and throwing a flashbang in a house. So I don't even know who's in there. It is so over the top to me. So once AJ fires this shot out the window at, you know, whoever is out there, he doesn't know what's going on. Then what happens next? Well, there's two SWAT officers that are positioned outside of that window. And and after this flashbang is detonated, the second SWAT officer who you know, just witnessed shots getting fired out of the window returns fire into the window. So that officer from outside starts shooting into the bedroom? He starts shooting into the bedroom. And, and how many, so what happens? Like how many shots get fired now and by who? About 18 shots are fired at the bed inside the bedroom. My goodness. So they fire 18 shots into the bedroom, not knowing who is in there and what's going on. Correct. So the, the SWAT officer that's positioned outside of the window fires about 14 or so shots towards the bed. And the second SWAT officer that's next to him takes his gun and starts shooting through the bedroom wall towards the bed. This is all over a little search warrant for Andrew Coffey III because they think he's selling drugs out of the house. And what you've just described with a whole SWAT team deploying a, breaking a window, knocking over a TV, deploying a, deploying a flashbang, and now you got 18 shots going into this bedroom. They don't even know who's in there. What happens next? A third SWAT officer <laughs> comes to the bedroom and he starts shooting into the bedroom window. By this time, AJ Coffee uh, must realize that this is the police and he surrenders. Who do those bullets hit? Unfortunately, Alteria Woods, the girlfriend of AJ, was still lying in bed, never got out of the bed, and uh, 10 bullets impacted her body. This is so stunning to me. She got hit by 10 shots? 10 shots. And she dies. And she dies. Why is this not a story that was all over the national news? Like, to me, this is like a Breonna Taylor case. This poor woman is in her bed, and she shot, she shot 10 times. Did this case get even much media attention in local Florida? Did you hear about it at the time? At it got attention in the community. I think the, the people living in the community all know about the case, but uh, I, I don't believe it got the media attention in Florida it deserved. This was a completely botched debacle of a plan to begin with. I mean, recipe for disaster, bringing in this massive SWAT team for this minor little thing, deploying these flashbangs, and exactly, you, you, you know, the recipe for disaster happened. Elteria Woods, 21 years old, shot and killed. So... Her boyfriend, AJ, 
Uh, does he get charged with a crime? So this is what's really shocking about this whole thing. Alteria is deceased, and AJ is charged with attempted murder of all three SWAT officers that shot into the room and the murder of his girlfriend, Alteria Woods. He fires a shot out the window after they do a flashbang in his bedroom with a pole coming through, and they charge him with attempted murder of the three people outside and his girlfriend, who's killed by the police. And his girlfriend. And it, it, he didn't shoot out once. He, he shot out a couple of shots. But, but yes, that's exactly right. So does he have a criminal trial? So he has a criminal trial. November 19th, 2021, the jury came back with an astonishing verdict. Of? Drum roll, please. <laughs> Drum roll, please. He was found not guilty of attempted murder of the three officers and not guilty of the felony murder of his girlfriend, Alteria Woods. That, that's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. That jury got it. That jury understood it. That jury figured it out. That's a stunning verdict because you get charged with that. I just feel like the odds are already, you got, you got one foot in the prison door already when you get charged with something like that. And to think that he got found not guilty, uh, he got acquitted of that, is amazing to me. That is just incredible to me. So AJ gets acquitted of his, his criminal charge. Now let me talk about the civil case. You know, a civil case just deals with money damages. There's nothing criminal about it. Um, you came to represent the family of Alteria Woods in a civil lawsuit. Is that right? That's right. Um, we represent Alteria Woods' family. Um, she also has a, a younger sister and uh, her mother and father. That lawsuit was brought against who and in what court? So we brought a civil lawsuit against the three officers who uh, shot at Alteria Woods in the Southern District of Florida in federal court. Okay. And basically, like in layman's terms, what were the main claims that you made against the defendants in the lawsuit? In general, they were excessive force claims um, because we believe that the police officers violated the law when they shot and killed Alteria Woods. And that case uh, was in federal court. You recently had a ruling. It sounds like what you were telling me is the judge granted summary judgment for the defendants and for people out there. That means that the judge ruled as a matter of law for the defense, finding there were no issues of fact, and basically dismissed the case. Do I get that right? That's correct. Our position was basically that Alteria Woods was unarmed. She was not a threat to the police, and that by shooting and killing her, they violated the law. The judge found that the police did nothing wrong. I am really surprised at that. That, that opinion. Um, we're going to post it uh, on the podcast website. We're going to post, you can read the court opinion. You can read uh, the summary judgment brief that was filed that has a factual background that gets into the facts of the case in a lot more detail than we talked about. Um, what a disappointing result for the family. What's the status of the case now? Well, cross your fingers. The status of the case is it's up for reconsideration. So we're waiting to see what's going to happen. 
Wow. I just, I go back to Mary, you know, just from the outset, this just, just seemed, like I said, such a ill-conceived plan. There was no plan. The people in the back of the house didn't seem like they're coordinating with the people in the front of the house. And not knowing who's in the house and what's going to happen, can you be surprised if you're going to just detonate a flashbang in the house at 5.30 in the morning in the dark that there might be a commotion? I mean, like, I don't know what they possibly thought was going to happen. Andy, I don't know how to answer that question. It's um, It doesn't make a lot of sense, um, but... It, it, it did happen, and hopefully it'll never happen again. Well, I, I just, I really wanted to have you on this podcast, Mary, to, to tell the story. I think Alteria Woods is this forgotten victim, such a tragic story, such a sad story, and I feel like it deserves a lot more media attention than it's gotten, um, and I'm just not sure why. I don't know if it's because it was in Florida and it just didn't get the coverage, but for this poor girl to be shot 10 times under these circumstances, it just is so heartbreaking. And I really wanted to have you on this podcast to raise awareness of it, to bring attention to it. And like I say, I really, I'm going to post on the podcast website, a bunch of source documents. I urge everybody to read them, take a look at them, learn more about the case. Uh, I'd love to have you back on here, Mary, when we've got an update I'm hoping that the the court case can somehow continue. If the motion for reconsideration is denied, and I know those are hard, what would be the next step after that? Uh, the next step, Andy, would be to appeal the case, and you know we hope the appellate court will review all the facts and you know come to a different conclusion. So that's what we're hoping for. This family needs justice. This really should not have happened. It just it really breaks my heart. This 21 year old girl. And then her boyfriend getting charged with her murder. I mean, talk about a nightmare scenario. You lose your girlfriend, and then you get charged with her murder when she's shot 10 times by the police. It is a nightmare upon a nightmare upon a nightmare. Well, I'm so glad you were on here, Mary. Keep us posted. We're going to have a part two. Hopefully, we're going to have a, a happy update. As soon as there's something to report, we'll get back on the podcast and talk about it. But please stay in touch. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this really, really important case. And there's probably so many more like it out there, but the, the law is really tough on a case like this. But we're, you know, we're hoping for the best and we're hoping for justice for this family. And uh, I really appreciate you bringing this to everyone's attention. One last thing, I've got some great news. For the second year in a row, the Andy Hale podcast is a finalist for a Signal Award. Last year, we took home silver for best overall experience. And this year, we've been nominated for best host in the documentary category. I mean, I'm really at a loss for words. It is such an honor. Now, there's a voter's choice part of this award. So we'd love it if you just took a minute to vote. You can find a link to vote at the top of our podcast website, andyhillpodcast.com. Click on that link. You register to vote. It'll take you just a minute or two. Also, if you subscribe to our newsletter, you can find a link in the newsletter to vote as well. We really, really appreciate it. Voting ends October 5th, so please do it now. Don't wait. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrongful Convictions and Cold Cases. Stay tuned for more episodes of Compelling True Crime Stories 
And stay tuned for more episodes of the Starve Rock Murders. You will be the first to know if we've got any developments. We're waiting for genetic genealogy. We're waiting for more potential evidence we can submit for DNA testing. There is a lot cooking, and I'm just keeping my eyes on those pans on the stove, believe me, every day. This show was produced in collaboration with Phineas Ellis, sound designed by Studio Friends, design, content, and promotion by Bell and Ivy. I'm your host, Andy Hale. We'll see you next time.